0: What is up everybody, JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm here with my 2022 NFC West record predictions. Going to be giving you guys my best case scenario, my worst case scenario, and my overall record predictions for all teams in the NFC West this year. I'm really excited about this division. I think that the Arizona Cardinals are gonna be really interesting when you look at how... The season ended for them last year on a pretty low note. They pretty much went ice cold. You look at the LA Rams. Are they going to be able to repeat as Super Bowl champions? How are the San Francisco 49ers going to perform this year now that they begin the new era at quarterback under Trey Lance? You also look at Seattle. It looks like they may be in for a down year, but could they surprise us? So, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. And if you didn't know already, Every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available. Make sure that you go ahead and check it out. Link to it will be down in the pinned comment section and description down below so you guys can go ahead and check it out. Also, make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel, upload NFL videos and college football videos daily. The Los Angeles Rams are going into this season as the reigning Super Bowl champions, and they have a really good chance to repeat this season because when you compare the NFC to the AFC, it's not in day. There's pretty much six to seven teams who you can make the argument for that could end up making it out of the AFC conference this year. Meanwhile, when you look at the NFC, It's a different conversation. If you were to walk up to a random NFL fan on the street and ask them, hey man, what team do you think has the best chance to make it out of the NFC? You're really probably only going to hear three teams. Those being the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Green Bay Packers. And outside of those three, you're pretty much shrugging your shoulders and you're pretty much saying, I don't know after that and for the la rams even though they did lose a couple of key pieces such as darius williams von miller on the defense side of the football offensive tackle andrew withward finally decided to hang up the cleats. i didn't think he was ever going to retire he's just one of those dudes who just loves the game of football you would think that he would stay around forever but he finally decided to retire but Realms fans are still really optimistic about how good this offensive line is going to be this year. Even though you did lose a couple of key pieces, you still do have some guys who are going to be able to step in and produce at a pretty solid level. Now, the offensive line may not be as good as what it was last year. This was pretty much a top 10 offensive line, but the offensive line shouldn't be no worse than top 13, top 14 in the league this year. And... When you look at the loss of Von Miller, I don't really think it was a loss at all. Because you got to remember, it's not like the Rams needed Von Miller. It kind of was just a situation where, you know, the Devil Broncos had him on the trade block. They were looking to ship him off or something. And the Rams just said, you know what? I mean, we're already good. We don't really need him. But why not just go ahead and add another good player on the already stacked team? And that's kind of what just happened and he played a pretty big part in them winning the super bowl but don't get it twisted even if they didn't have von miller they still probably would end up winning the super bowl because a lot of people make it seem like it's just aaron donald and then it's everybody else on the defensive line but a lot of people forget about leonard floyd leonard floyd last year had nine and a half sacks the year before that in 2020 he had 10 sacks so You still have a good amount of talent on the defensive line, despite the departure of Von Miller. You also gained Bobby Wagner, who is one of the greatest linebackers to ever play this game. So I'm really excited about what the defense is going to do this year. My best case scenario for the Rams is 14-3. They had one of the best offenses in the NFL last season, and now I think their offense potentially could get Even better this year, simply for the fact that you add Allen Robinson in for agency, who has a great skill set that matches up well with Matthew Stafford. We know that Matthew Stafford loves to take a lot of shots downfield. He has one of the strongest arms in the NFL. And you give him Allen Robinson, who is one of the best 50-50 ball wide receivers, who's really good at being able to get those contested catches. On top of that, he's a really good red zone target as well. You're going to be pairing him up with Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, when he gets back fully healthy, and potentially Odell Beckham. Now... I don't have any insider information on this, but I do have a intuition and a very strong gut feeling. Now, that probably may not be worth anything, but it's worth something to me. My gut tells me that Odell Beckham is going to return to the Los Angeles Rams. And when you listen to Sean McVay and people inside of the Rams organization talk about the potential of OBJ coming back to the team, it seems as if, you know, nobody's against it everybody's for obj coming back there's been a lot of good dialogue a lot of great conversation the only thing that really just comes down to is just really obj they pretty much have said in my opinion hey it's up to obj if he wants to return to us the door is always open so i think that we most likely are going to see obj return to the la rams I'm not guaranteeing that. I just have a strong gut feeling. Like I said, it may not be worth anything to you, but it is worth something to me. So, the defense, I'm not really worried about the pass rush or the defensive line. You definitely have some good players there. What does concern me a little bit is the secondary. Okay. And that's why I'm going to go with my worst case scenario 11 and 6. Outside of Jalen Ramsey, you know, there's not really a cornerback that you can look at on the Rams roster and say, oh yeah, man, I I trust him. You lost Darius Williams, who isn't that big of a loss simply for the fact that his play went down last season compared to how he performed in 2020. But you do have David Long Jr., Robert Rochelle, who was a little bit hit and miss when he was in at times last year. You got Darion Kendrick, rookie cornerback out of Clemson, who I like a lot. You got Troy Hill, who returns after spending one season with the Cleveland Browns so i don't think their secondary is terrible but i definitely feel like you know their secondary definitely is a question mark as i mentioned earlier you know at wide receiver you do have a pretty good amount of depth there but what about running back because running back is really interesting because when you look at cam Akers, it kind of took him a while to heal from that achilles injury now he recovered a little bit faster than what was anticipated however he kind of was a little bit slow to get back to the camp acres that we saw the season before he suffered that injury. And I'm wondering if it was just him trying to knock off the rush that he had. And then on top of that, you do have Daryl Henderson, who was okay at certain moments. I had him on my fantasy football teams for the majority of last year. So, I mean, the run game may be a little bit of a concern, when it comes to you know the health and just how effective is Cam Akers going to be this year. But overall it's really hard for me to see the Rams losing more than six games. I definitely think that eleven and six is the floor. However, you know maybe their floor could also be twelve wins. You know, it's really just hard seeing the Rams win anything less than 11 games. And my overall record prediction for the Rams this season is 13-4. and four. The only way I can see the Rams not winning 13 games is if Matthew Stafford gets injured. And there have been, you know, a little bit of rumblings about his overall health. He is fighting a couple of injuries that he's currently dealing with that are nagging him. However, you look at their schedule and yeah, their schedule is pretty tough, but overall it doesn't really matter because you have one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't know why people use the whole tough schedule argument against great teams with proven coaches and proven talent. You feel me? And you look at the first half of their season before their bye week that they have late in October, you play playing Buffalo Thursday night, that's going to be one of the biggest games of the year, because that really is going to be the tell of, you know, if Buffalo's ready. And what about the Rams? And then you got to play Atlanta, Arizona, San Francisco. Now, you're playing two divisional games really early into the season on the road, which helps you because when you end up playing them again later in the season, you're going to have them at home. And that's really big because the pretenders and the contenders start to separate themselves late into the year. Then you get to play Dallas, Carolina before your bye week. So I think if you're a Rams fan, You probably really only see one, maybe two losses going into your bye week. And then after that, you're playing San Francisco for the second time. You got Tampa Bay on the road, which is always a really great matchup. You got Arizona, New Orleans, Kansas City. You're playing New Orleans and Kansas City, both on the road back to back. Then you got Seattle, Las Vegas on the road against Green Bay, which is going to be tough. Always tough to beat Green Bay at Lambeau Field late in the season then you're playing the Broncos the Chargers and Seattle to close the season so for the Rams I definitely feel like this is still going to be one of the best teams in the NFL unless they have like some catastrophic injuries that hurt them really bad but Even if they do suffer some injuries, I think that their coaching is just so good that they can be able to overcome those. However, as long as Matthew Stafford stays healthy, I think that we should expect the Rams to be one of the best teams in the NFC. And personally, I think that they're going to be my pick to make it out again. I'm still trying to pick between them and Tampa Bay. But you guys let me know how you guys are feeling about the Los Angeles Rams down in the comment section down below if you're watching this on YouTube. The Seattle Seahawks went 7-10 and last season in 2021. And you know, it's really weird to be a Seattle Seahawks fan this year because you're going into this season with your two heart and soul pieces of your franchise gone. Russell Wilson is now with Denver and Bobby Wagner is with your divisional rival, the Los Angeles Rams. And this is a roster that... Doesn't really look all that talented. Now, the wide receiver position does look really good, simply for the fact that you have D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You also have Noah Finn at tight end. And you definitely have a lot of optimism about Rashard Penny and rookie running back Kenneth Walker. However, there are some major concerns on the offensive side of the football, and it mainly stems with the offensive line. And you know, also quarterback, because to be a Seattle Seahawks fan and have to potentially either watch Geno Smith or Drew lockstar start as your potential quarterback this season is a nightmare that I would even wish on my worst enemy, and I'm not a Seahawks fan, so I feel for you guys this year, and it definitely looks like Seattle may be going in for a rebuild season and maybe potentially a tanking season so they can get one of the top quarterbacks in the 2023 NFL Draft. And when you look at my best case scenario for Seattle, I have them at seven and 10. And I honestly wanted to put them at eight, nine wins, but I really couldn't see it because at this point, Geno Smith and Drew Locke are probably going to have to play out of their minds for Seattle to be able to make it to the playoffs. And not only that, but the offensive line still is a huge concern as it has been for the last, what, three to four years? And you don't have Russell Wilson back there anymore. And Russell Wilson was able to make things shake simply for the fact that he's one of the best quarterbacks of the past decade. He's elusive. He's kind of like Houdini back there. Well, with him gone... You have Geno Smith and Drew Locke, who aren't really known for being all that mobile. So if the play breaks down, the play breaks down. So I expect Seattle to put a lot of emphasis on running the football this year. I think they're going to have a top five rushing attack this season. And they're probably going to want to get that run game going and then take a little bit of pressure off their quarterbacks because then it's going to allow them to open things up down the field, utilize and play action. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you also have Marquise Goodwin there. So you do have a lot of speed and some good talent in the wide receiver room. I don't know if a lot of people are still high on Dwayne Eskridge, but, you know, I'm excited to see what he does this year. But... I'm excited for Kenneth Walker. And I do like Rashad Penny with Chris Carson recently retiring. You know, I think those two players are going to be really good this year. I think Seattle's going to have a really good running back tandem this year with those two guys. But the offensive line just really concerns me, man. But when you look at the defensive side of the football, Seattle's defense is going to be really good this year, I think. And I think that this could be the best defense that Seattle has had in a very long time i mean their defensive line is pretty talented you know if you are somebody who just likes to look at the roster on paper nobody on this defensive line is probably going to you know be a big name to you but they definitely do have a good amount of good players there i was puna ford are really good against the ryan you also have shelby harris there coming over from denver daryl taylor could have a breakout season at linebacker, Jordan Brooks has really started to emerge. It's taken a while, but he's now starting to come into his own. You also have Nawusu there at cornerback. I don't think I think that's probably their biggest concern there on defense because you have Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs at safety. That's one of the best safety tandems in the NFL back. Cornerback is where most of your problems lie. Sydney Jones. It's okay. Kobe Bryant, hopefully he ends up starting because as a Steeler fan, man, you don't want Artie Burns starting for you. You're going to get burnt if you start Artie Burns. And I honestly don't know why nobody has attempted to move him to safety or try him in the slot. But if they end up starting Artie Burns this year, I promise you your secondary is going to look god-awful because he's going to at least give up four or five touchdowns but at least when you look at the front seven and the back end of this defense it looks really really good and that's the main reason why i have seattle at seven wins as their best case scenario because if they do get the seven wins it's mainly going to be because their defense is able to keep them in games and allows their offense to buy enough Time to do a little bit of something to put maybe you know a couple of points on the board. But my worst case scenario for the Seahawks this season is going to be one and 16. And you know it it's tough for me to say that because nobody wants to hear their team going at one and sixteen. But when you look at their schedule, you look at the talent that they have at quarterback, you know, it doesn't really give me a lot of faith. And on top of that, you know. The offensive line, I got to go back to the offensive line, man, because it's not really all that great, and Russell Wilson was able to be Houdini because his skill set was able to allow him to create more time for himself to allow receivers to get open. But now, you know, you do have Charles Cross, who you drafted in the first round. You finally improved tackle, which is a good thing. And I think that Charles Cross is going to be really good for Seattle right away as long as he improves his run blocking. But then, you know, you got Gabe Jackson. He's solid. And then after that, you know, everybody you just look at and you just you kind of nod and you doze off. You know, Damian Lewis, eh, Jake Curran, yeah, I don't even, a lot of you guys probably don't even know who that is. Abraham Lucas is a rookie tackle that a lot of Seahawks fans are rooting for to end up starting at that other offensive tackle position. But he's still a project player at best, and many people think he'll be better served to move in the guard. So for Seattle, you know, their offensive line. If you're a Seahawks fan, you're. You're probably just crossing your fingers and praying that, you know, maybe you can make something work. But then the quarterback play, I mean, like, I don't think they're going to be downright terrible. I just don't really think that they're going to do anything to really help Seattle win games. You know, I think these are quarterbacks that have to be in an ideal situation where they have great offensive line play. You got great play calling. And to be quite honest with you, you know, I don't really think Seattle's going to be getting any of that this year. And although you do have great receivers to throw the football to, it doesn't really matter if you don't have time to throw the football to them. So, you know, I'm not really all that thrilled about Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you Seahawks fans probably feel that same way as well. So you're probably going to disagree with the 1-16. But, I mean, looking at your schedule, is I think that's really realistic. You feel me? Now, for my overall record prediction, I have them at 2 and 15 it's really tough because you look at Seattle's schedule and they do have a good amount of winnable games in here. You play Atlanta, Detroit, back-to-back. You got the New York Giants. Then you also get to play the New York Jets late in the season. But outside of those games, it's like, where are the other wins going to come from? And I know that upsets can happen. I know you're probably going to be like, well, we have a good run against this team and da-da-da-da-da. But at the same time, you know, you don't got Russell Wilson even anymore. And even though this team did look somewhat competitive with Geno Smith starting and replacing Russell Wilson for a couple of games, you know, they still struggled in the majority of those games. So I just think that Seattle is just going to be in for a down season. I think maybe this could be the last that we see of Pete Carroll. Maybe he ends up retiring. Maybe he ends up getting fired. Or maybe they allow him to come back for another year, allowing him to draft a new quarterback to lead their franchise. But, you know, the good thing for Seattle fans is that you are going to have a high draft pick next year, most likely, and pretty much some money to spend and for agency to improve your team. So, this just is really going to be one of those years that, as a fan, you know, you're just going to have to hope for the best. But, 2 and 15 is my overall record prediction for the Seattle Seahawks this season. The San Francisco 49ers last year went 10-7. and They went all the way to the NFC Conference Championship game before losing to the eventual Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams. And now we begin the start of the Trey Lance era in the Bay. And I've said this several times throughout this offseason on this podcast that I fully believe in Trey Lance as the starting quarterback for the 49ers. All of the criticism that I've heard from people in the national media when it comes to Trey Lance... Hasn't really made all that sense. I've heard people say that he doesn't have that it factor, which doesn't make any sense because if he didn't have that it factor, I'm pretty sure the 49ers wouldn't have traded up so much to draft him as high as what they did. I'm pretty sure if he didn't have that it factor, they wouldn't feel so comfortable moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody who has taken them to two conference championship games and a Super Bowl. So I trust Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's judgment when it comes to trade lands. And also you gotta look at it like this. Jimmy Garoppolo was a taxi driver. For Jimmy Garoppolo to be successful, he needed everything to go right. Great offensive line play, great players around him, and phenomenal play calling. And you can say, well, JT, doesn't every quarterback need a great situation? Yes, they do, but you do have quarterbacks who have certain limitations that having a great team can make up for. If you have a great play caller such as Kyle Shanahan, he can elevate the play of his quarterback. You see, an average quarterback is elevated by his team in the play caller. An elite quarterback is able to elevate not only his team, but the guy calling the plays as well. He can take a play that should result in a negative five-yard game and turn that same play into a three-yard gain. That's what happens when you have an elite quarterback. And when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, when the 49ers needed him to make big plays to win the big games in the biggest moments, he came up short more times than not. So if Trey Lance, you have a quarterback who has the arm to be able to make any throw, and he's an incredible athlete. And I think that Trey Lance is going to bring a different dynamic to the San Francisco 49ers offense that we haven't seen. In my best case scenario for San Francisco, is going to be 13 and four. This defense last season under defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans was phenomenal. And I think that this defense is only going to get better this year simply for the fact that they finally addressed the secondary. Last year, the front seven was really good, but the Achilles heel of the 49ers defense was their cornerbacks. Well, now you improve that. You bring in... Traverius Ward, who was pretty much Kansas City's best cornerback. You have Emmanuel Mosley. You also are going to have Ambry Thomas, who had a little bit of an up-and-down rookie season last year. He has some highs. He also has some lows. You got Jason Verrett as well, who is always really good when he's able to stay healthy. But the thing with that is that, you know, he has been unable to stay healthy for pretty much the majority of his career. And then also you have Jimmy Ward, at free safety and then we already know about what this defensive line brings to the table you got nick bosa a armstead and then i think that javon kenlaw finally is going to be able to put it all together this year and have a breakout season and be the player that the san francisco 49ers saw when he was coming out of south carolina not too long ago Fred Warner, Dre Kenlaw make up one of the best linebacker tandems in the NFL. You also have Ajir Aziz from FAU. I'm sorry if I butchered his name. I shouldn't know better simply for the fact that this is a FAU alum. So my, my apologies. But overall, you know, I think when Trey Lance ends up hitting that ceiling, I think he's going to end up having that... Patrick Mahomes-like season when Patrick Mahomes just burst out onto the scene and not too many people knew what to expect from Patrick Mahomes. And then Andy Reid just let him loose and he ended up winning MVP. And I think if Trey Lance ends up being that, I think the 49ers could end up being maybe the best team in the NFC and potentially they could end up winning the division. Because think about it this way. What are things that Jimmy Garoppolo lacked That Trey Lance has the first thing is the ability to throw under pressure you see Jimmy Garoppolo was never good with pressure in his face Trey Lance even though he struggled a little bit last year under pressure a good trade about him coming out of North Dakota State was that he had a very good arm and the fact that he didn't really get phased when he had pressure in his face another thing is that you're going to have a different element in the run game because Jimmy Garoppolo pretty much didn't really offer you nothing in that department. Trey Lance is a really good athlete. He has great straight line speed. Now, he's not really the most elusive runner, but he is somebody that if you do give him a lane, he's going to make you pay because he has incredible speed. He also has very great size as well. So for the San Francisco 49ers, if Trey Lance ends up being as good as what 49ers fans and myself think that he can be, I think the sky is the limit for this team, which is why I have them at 13-4. and 8-9 and nine is my worst case scenario for the 49ers because, okay, what if we're all wrong about Trey Lance? And what if Trey Lance has another season where... He kind of is up and down. He has some high moments, but he also has some low moments. And that definitely can happen because on this podcast, we have to look at all of the possibilities. We just can't look at things from a one-sided perspective. So this is where the worst case comes in. If if the worst happens and Trey Lance isn't really all that consistent, I still think that the 49ers have a good enough team that they can end up winning eight games. Now, eight games may be good enough to get you the seven seed, simply for the fact that the NFC doesn't look all that strong this year. But at the same time, you do have a really good defense that can bail you out and give you additional possessions and help you if your offense does struggle to get off on a good foot. But another concern that I have is simply for the fact that, you know, you look at the offensive line, okay? You had Alex Mack. Who ended up retiring. You had a couple of losses on the old line So you do have some positions of concern. Don't really know how good the center position is going to be. What about your other offensive guard spots? So those definitely are some huge concerns that I have when it comes to the 49ers on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be their offensive line. Because if you're going to make sure that Trey Lance has success, you definitely have to make sure that you have a good offensive line in front of him. Because you don't want the guy running for his life for the whole entire season now my overall record prediction for san francisco is going to be 10 and 7 now the first half of the season for san francisco i think it's pretty easy i think that san francisco has one of the more easier first half schedules than any other team going into this season their first three games they're playing chicago seattle and denver those are all three winnable games They should be at least 2-1 going into that Monday night matchup against the Rams to start off the month of October. Then you play Carolina and Atlanta. Both of those games are going to be on the road. You should be able to win both of those two games, but maybe you could drop that Carolina game depending on how Baker Mayfield and that offense gels at that point. But then this is where things get Really difficult for San Francisco. So two weeks before your bye week, you're playing Kansas City and you're playing the LA Rams. And then you go into your bye week. And then this is where you start to go through a gauntlet of potential playoff teams. Okay, you're playing the Chargers on Sunday night, Arizona on the road Monday night. You got New Orleans, Miami, Tampa Bay. You get to play Seattle, which you should be able to take business. Well, you should be able to take care of business there, even though it is on the road on a short week. Maybe that could end up being a upset game there. Then you got Washington, Las Vegas. And Arizona to close off the season So you're pretty much facing Nine potential playoff teams To close the end of your season After having a really Pretty easy first half of your schedule. So, for the 49ers, I definitely feel like they could end up having a couple of bumps and bruises on their way to the postseason. And even if Trey Lance does play well, you know, the offensive line is still a big lingering concern that I have in my head. And I think that it will cost them a couple of games. So, my record prediction for them, I have them at 10-7. I was really close to having them at 11-6, maybe 12-5, but that's what the best-case scenario is. If the offensive line ends up playing well and Trey Lance also plays well, then they definitely could end up winning 13 games. But I'm going to go with 10-7. and 7. You guys let me know your record predictions for the San Francisco 49ers down in the comment section down below. The Arizona Cardinals went 11-6 and last year. They were defeated by the LA Rams in the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. And going into this season, I feel like a lot of people are very low on Arizona. And I understand why. Because when you look at how the 2021 NFL season ended for the Cardinals, it wasn't pretty. But let's not forget, at one point last season, the Arizona Cardinals were 7-0. And then they ended up suffering their first loss of the season to the hands of the Green Bay Packers. They also lost Kyler Murray for a couple of games. But even without Kyler Murray, this team still ended up winning a couple of games. They went 9-2. And then when Kyler Murray came back, they went 10-2. But after they got off to that 10-2 start, that's when things started to go south for the Arizona Cardinals. And they ended up limping into the postseason They got a big win late against the Dallas Cowboys, but their final game of the year, they lost to the Seattle Seahawks. And then they ended up getting embarrassed by the eventual Super Bowl champions. And that goes to one of the biggest flaws that a lot of people point out when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach. And that's the fact that his teams always get off to fast starts, but they don't finish strong. And... Cliff Kingsbury also has some other flaws about him that many people point out, such as questionable play calling, clock management at times. But something that a lot of people don't bring up when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury are the results. And the results speak for themselves. Ever since Cliff Kingsbury has taken over as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, this team has done nothing but improve under him every single season. So, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury does have some things that he can improve on. But the fact of the matter is that this team always takes steps forward under him every single season. And when you look at their offense this year, it's still going to be really good. A lot of people are concerned about their offensive line, but their offensive line isn't as bad as what you may think. The right side is where the majority of the concern lies, such as you don't really know how good your right guard and your right tackle play is going to be, but the left side is pretty good. At left guard, you're going to have Justin Pugh. also you have Rodney Hudson at center. Now both Rodney Hudson and Justin Pugh are pretty much on their last leg when it comes to their NFL careers, but they're still able to produce at a pretty solid level considering their age. You also have left tackle DJ Humphreys who is coming off a career year and he made his first ever Pro Bowl appearance in 2021. So I think the offensive line is pretty solid. The wide receiving core you traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown from the Baltimore Ravens. Once DeAndre Hopkins comes back from serving his suspension, this is going to be one of the better wide receiver duos in the NFL. And Marquise Brown is a really good number two at times he can be an okay number one option but really Marquise Brown is more of a Robin versus being a Batman you also have AJ Green who also is pretty productive as well and we can't forget about Rondell Moore and Zach Ertz and at running back you got James Conner who also went to the Pro Bowl we know what Kyler Murray can do when he's fully healthy so offensively you shouldn't be concerned if you are an Arizona Cardinals fan now my best case scenario for the Cardinals this season it's going to be 12-5. and five. Now, I understand that some people are going to have concerns with the defense because, first of all, outside of Marcus Golden, where's the pass rush going to come from with the loss of Chandler Jones? Also, how great is your cornerback play going to be this year? Because they may have one of the worst cornerback groups in the whole entire NFL. Byron Murphy is pretty solid. You're hoping that Marco Wilson can develop going into his second season. But you do have Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker who make up one of the best safety duos in the NFL. And I think that you should get pretty good linebacker play out of Isaiah Simmons and Xavier Collins. Now, the Arizona Cardinals, the reason why the ceiling for them is so high is because this isn't a team that needs to have a dominant defense to be able to win games. Arizona, their success this season is going to be dictated on how good this offense is going to be. And I think that as long as this offense continues to perform the way they had last season, they really shouldn't do that bad and they should be able to outscore pretty much anybody who they match up against because they do have one of the more talented offenses in the nfl yes their offensive line could improve they could get younger but overall this is still an offense that can put up points with some of the best teams in the nfl and really all their defense just needs to be able to do is to get key stops and crucial and crucial moments of games such as being able to get off the field late in the fourth quarter and third down situations or being able to force takeaways and i think for arizona as long as you have a top 18 even you know top 17 defense you should be okay because the heart and soul of this team is by how well they perform on offense their win-loss record is going to be per it's probably going to be based on how well this offense is able to perform on a consistent basis and also the fact that You look at this defense, they do have some promising young pass rushers who I like a lot, such as Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. You also have Maje Sanders out of Cincinnati. So maybe one of those rookie pass rushers can end up coming on and being that other pass rusher that they need outside of Marcus Golding. So my worst case scenario for the Arizona Cardinals is 6-11. So, maybe the offensive line does end up not being all that great, and it ends up on um, regressing compared to the play that they got last year. Maybe the defense continues to struggle, or even it's even worse. Compared to what it was last year due to the fact that you lost Chandler Jones and now maybe people start double teaming Marcus Golden and then your secondary when you look at the cornerback position is still a huge huge question mark because when you drafted Marco Wilson. You knew that if you started him, he was going to have a lot of growing pains because that's simply what comes with drafting a cornerback in the mid rounds of the NFL draft. You're pretty much looking at a safety who's going to take a couple of years to develop. So maybe Marco Wilson doesn't take that next step this year. Maybe he continues to struggle this season in 2022 and just you can't really find any answers at cornerback outside of Byron Murphy. So that also can hold them back as well. When you look at their schedule, you know Arizona has a pretty tough schedule. And even though I do feel like this offense is going to be able to take care of business on their behalf, a lot of these teams have some of the best offenses in the NFL, such as Kansas City, Las Vegas, the Rams, New Orleans, Minnesota, and if you can't get a consistent pass rush on the majority of these teams that they have to f- match up against, you're not going to be able to have a lot of success on defense because the name of the game is being able to slow down the passing game. And the number one key to slowing down a great passing attack is by being able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback. And that's something that I just strongly doubt that Arizona is going to be able to do. But despite Arizona having one of the toughest schedules in the NFL this year, I still think that they're going to end up having a winning record. And I have them at 9-8. and eight. The offense is going to be perfectly fine. I don't think the offense is going to struggle. The defense worries me, but I do think that as long as the offense does end up having the ball late in games, I still do think they should be able to come out on the winning side of things more times than not. This defense is going to cost them a good amount of games as well. But at the same time, I just think that when you look at Arizona their success is going to be predicated on how efficient and how effective they're going to be on the offense. And this offense has always looked pretty good under Cliff Kingsbury. Although the play calling is questionable at times, I think that this offense is going to at least be a top 12 unit this year so I think that Arizona is good enough to be able to get to nine wins but I also wouldn't be surprised if they do end up going below 500 but I just think that since you have Kyler Murray he's played at a pretty good level I think you pretty much could consider him to be a top 10 quarterback you also do have a good group of wide receivers your offensive line is decent it's not the best off the line but it is at least in my opinion a top 16 top 17 unit in the league I think that your linebacker play is going to be really good Isaiah Simmons had a really productive season last year. And I think that Xavier Collins is gonna have a pretty good year too. You gotta remember that Xavier Collins didn't really get a lot of playing time last year. Arizona, for some reason, just doesn't like playing their rookie linebackers. So I think with him getting more playing time, I think he's gonna be way better this year with more snaps. And he's gonna have way more experience now that he has a year under his belt of learning the playbook, learning the defense, and getting acclimated to the speed of the NFL game. So 9-8 is my record prediction for the Arizona Cardinals going into the 2022 NFL season. Let me know your prediction for the Cardinals down in the comment section down below. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that every video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. The JT Sports Podcast is available, and I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode.